Welcome to Catch Outdoors. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. Contact email, catchoutdoors at gmail.com. Website, catchoutdoors.com. And the Facebook page, Catch Outdoors. Got a couple books that were published during the uh, COVID years. Bridge to Paradise, released this uh, past November. And What I Know About Fishing Southwest Florida, released in the November of 2020. Signed copies of Bridge are available on my website at catchoutdoors.com. Both titles can also be purchased on Amazon in both print and Kindle versions. Well, howdy. (laughs) Howdy, partners. Today's episode number 27. Uh, The title of this one is Fishing Wisdom. Speaking of books, um, I just got word from... uh, Amazon that I've crossed the 700 copies level for my fishing book. What I know about fishing that was it's thrilling. The numbers have been really, really good. It looked to me like a whole bunch of people from Canada were coming down to fish the west coast of Florida because I sold a lot of copies through Amazon uh, Canada, and uh, then obviously quite a, I, had, I had sales in England, Belgium, France, Spain, Scotland. <laughs> I love it when they send me the 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 uh, the analytical stuff. I was like, wow, that's, that's, I don't know. I find that amazing. I, I thought to myself, I'd sell 20 copies of this book all to friends, but it's worked out much better than that. Thank you all very much. And thank you for everyone that has uh, bought the book and doing all that fun stuff and recommending it. Uh, South Florida, those weather is slowly turning to summer. The winds have finally let down a little bit. We had we had raging winds uh, since I talked to you last off the beach. It was just nuts. Uh, they pretty much wouldn't let anybody swim. It, it was that rowdy. Uh, and then once it started to settle, the Portuguese man of war uh, jellyfish started to float in by the hundreds. They were all over the beach. And the beach people are doing their best to scrape them up and pick them up. But uh, the stings are real. That's probably the worst, I would say, of the between that stingrays and getting jabbed by a catfish. Those three are right up there. But the Portuguese is, that ain't good at all. So anyway, that's been going on. Um, I mentioned last week I got a new book I'm working on. Uh, I like that. It's kind of like the new old book. Uh, the, my original thought Ages ago, and I'm talking when I was talking to people and doing classes, which now is what at least three years ago since I did my last class. Before that, I did a lot of them down in Naples. For I taught fishing classes for about 13 years, I guess it was in Naples, and then an additional three or four up in at Bass Pro in, in Fort Myers. And um, all along, people kept saying, You need you know, you need to write a book which I did, but the initial idea of the book was about taking kids fishing. When I had a, um, a radio show, a uh, weekly radio show called Real Talk Radio, which, by the way, is flourishing very well. Thank you, Captain Debbie Hansen. Um, it's a, in, on the West Coast, 770 AM. And uh, anyway, uh, that prompted me at the time, I was a big supporter of taking kids out fishing. And it was, it was part of my logo as a matter of fact um so i felt strongly about it because when i first started fishing i was what i call the um go get them you know the attacker uh tarpon snook redfish that was that was the focus and and i took the hardcore anglers out for fish like that and that was fun nerve-wracking but fun uh there are good days and bad days and there's nothing in between um (laughs) as most of those anglers will tell you 
Um, as time went by, I started taking gentlemen out who would bring along son or daughter. And at that point, I realized I would focus, you know, let dad fish, put him near the fish, get him going. But I was really going to focus on the kid on the boat. I didn't want the child to be overlooked. So I worked at that. And um, as time went by, those parents went home. And they went to their friends' parties and to the PTA meetings and wherever it was that they talked to other parents. And the subject of fishing in Florida would come up and they'd say, well, we know this guy. And the next thing you know, I had a family coming down. Before long, I had entire small towns out of uh, Missouri and Wisconsin and that area of kids that had heard about a friend that went fishing. And so I focused on it. I focused on family fishing. And it was a lot less stressful. Uh, I like the instructional part of it. Kids are very happy to catch a, a puffer fish, a catfish, which is frowned on by a lot of Southwest Florida anglers, and over here on the East Coast too, for that matter. So the focus changed quite a bit to where I was doing sea trout, ladyfish uh, as a recreational fish for the kids, teaching them how to catch those fish, uh, making sure, you know, in, the, in that realm, you, you get on a lot of fish, not just a few. So you get on a lot of fish and that, that makes things a lot easier. And, um, when dad would come or dad, mom, and a kid, I'd focus on the kid and dad, mom could fish. In other words, they weren't worrying about the child being taken care of. That was my job. I did that. I don't want to call it babysitting because that's not what it was. It was instructional sitting and, uh, and I enjoyed it very much and I still promote it. So the book that I'm working on is about taking kids fishing. It's an instructional book. Um, it'll cover both salt and fresh. I've been writing quite a new bit of new stuff. I already had a lot of the chapters completed. I've just gone back and fixed them, updated things. Uh, it'll be a picture book, <laughs> not for kids, for adults, although the kids might enjoy it. Um, what I'm going to do is it's going to be very similar to what I know about fishing Southwest Florida, that book, the layout, much skinnier. There's not, not as much information, obviously, but I will talk quite a bit about, um, the directions kids that you need to take with kids. If you take kids fishing, whether you're a dad, mom, uncle, aunt, um, grandparents, whatever the case may be. And so that's where it's going. Uh, the notes were, as I like to joke, were rather dusty. So I dusted them off and started working on it. Hopefully... It'll go to the editor, what is this? This is March, end of April. I'm hoping for releasing it probably sometime this summer. So, wish me luck. <laughs> Today's title, Fishing Wisdom. And I, I have been thinking about this quite a bit. I, when I fish uh, by myself, I do things in a way that are uh, the same, always. I look for certain certain things when I fish. And I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to devote a podcast to, to what I call fishing wisdom. I have been listening to tons of other podcasts out there by uh, anglers that I've never heard of, captains that I've never heard of, um, especially up in the Northeast and around the Great Lakes. I know very little about fishing up there. And so it's kind of fun to, to hear the people talk about smallmouth fishing in Lake Erie and, and, and walleye and doing the things that I just, I don't do or have never done, or if I did it, I did it once. Um, I listened to a podcast the other day on ice fishing. Utterly fascinating. I mean, I just thought, well, you dig a hole in the ice. No, 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 it's much more complicated than that. And so, um, and then I was coming up with a title or an idea for this week, and I, I, I'd have drawn a blank. 
And in the world of writing, when you write a book, um, my editor has told me, write what you know. And, and I've read that before. People will say that. Well, if you're going to write like a mystery novel and you want to have a plot, then you better, have, you better write about something you know, something you've visited, something you've done, because otherwise it's not going to turn out very well. And uh, so I, having listened to all these different podcasts and these people, oh my gosh, they have so many tidbits and so many tips and I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to put one out that's got that kind of stuff included in it. Um, and so there, there's little tiny things. I mean, basically, um, my friends will tell you, the people that have fished with me on the boat will tell you that when I'm on the boat and they're fishing, you know, we're just, rec- this is recreational. This is not guiding. I haven't, I haven't been a guide in six years, seven years. Good Lord, seven years. And so this is really, for me, recreational fishing like anybody else, although I have a a base of knowledge that goes back into 20 years of guiding. But when I'm out there and something, I'm going to try to put it in words, but I get hit with a thing that I call a notion. And my friends joke about it. Like when Rob says out loud, I'll say it, I got a notion. And all of them on the boat will turn around and go, okay, where? (laughs) Where are we going? And we go, and we catch fish. And to them, it's like a miracle. And to me, it's like, I just knew they'd be there. And it just comes from experience reading water. And so I want to talk about that first, about reading water and reading things like current and and the important things. I guess um, the very first chapter of my fishing book is all about the science of fishing. And because I firmly believe in the science that no matter how often you go out there, no matter how much you think you know, if you don't apply science to it, you're never going to figure it all out. Um, Water movement, wind movement, tides, the height and the lower, you know, which way is it going up or down, Um, seasonal, uh, whether it's winter, summer, spring, fall. Uh, And then when I say winds, wind directions, what pushes water in what way and how does it push it? Now, all this stuff I absorbed as I started fishing almost every day. This didn't happen in my early life. I fished. Oh, gosh, I fished a lot. But I didn't go enough. So, I mean, (laughs) if you fish every single day and miss just a few for 10 years, you're going to start to figure out the pattern without even thinking about it. It's just going to, it's going to come naturally to you. You're going to know exactly what you need to look for. If you go out on a given, I used to, I used to, I joked about this. I used to lie in bed when I first started guiding because it's a scary proposition. You're, you're collecting money from people to catch fish and, and you absolutely want to make that happen. So you get more customers. I mean, it's a business. And so I would lie in the bed staring at the ceiling fan going around at three o'clock in the morning thinking I got to get up soon. I got to make a plan. And I would plot everything out in my head based on the weather forecast that I had seen the night before and based on the tides. And then I'd get on the boat and I'd get everything rigged and put everything together and my clients would show up and I'd take off out the dock and I'd look around and go, everything I planned is not going to work today. Not a single thing. And that's because the weatherman was wrong. And that's not, I'm not picking on weathermen, okay, guys? I know it's tough. But uh, they were wrong. They were just wrong. The wind direction is not what they said it would be. The speed was not what they said it would be. And because of that, the tides are not doing what 
the tide chart says it should be doing. So there are a lot of things kind of coming into play there as I'm motoring out with my customers on board and I'm going, whew, time to change up. And what do you do? Well, you, you from past experience, being on the water enough, you look at what's happening right now and you go, I need to do this first and then that. And if that doesn't work, I will switch them. Or if that doesn't work, I'll try a whole new game plan. But I know generally where I'm going with this. That's what I call fishing wisdom. That is the thing that, that causes my notions to pop up is that I just see something and I've seen it before and I know that it worked before. So I'm going in that direction. So we'll start with the water level. The first thing I do is check water level. That's pretty easy to do when you're keeping a boat in a marina. How much water is on the docks? How much water is on the pilings? How much water is under that boat? So you have an idea right away. You know it's either coming up or down because you've already looked at the tide chart the night before. So you know if it's a rising tide or a falling tide. Um, I have no preference on whether it's up or down in either direction. I really don't care. I like shallow water the best. I would like to see it falling onto shallow or I'd like to see it rising right out of shallow. But either way, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, uh, then I get out there and I look and the very the second thing I note is wind. And as soon as I can figure out wind direction, I know it's kind of funny. I know how hard or, or how easy it's going to be just based on wind. If the wind is coming across the flats from the east, it's probably going to be a little tougher day than it would be if it was blowing out of the south or southwest and southeast. But right out of the east is really tough. Probably, I would say the east is the toughest of all fishing the west coast of Florida. That's a little different over here on the east coast, but my heavy-duty experience is fishing backwater fishing on the, on the west coast of Florida. Um, so that I would take that into account. And then, now here's the really oddball things. Uh, humidity, the way the air feels. The clouds in the sky, are they dense? Are they thin? Are they high? Are they low? Is there a little fog in the morning? There's all these little things that come into play that you know fish like to feed in. So you start to balance all these things together. For example, early morning hours are, good for, are generally good fishing, but only if the tide and the wind are in the right direction. In other words, only if all these little pieces are coming together. The early bird does not necessarily get the worm in saltwater fishing. You can certainly put that down for fresh. I, I know from experience going out fishing for bass, peacock bass, and those kind of things over here on the east coast of Florida uh, in our impoundments and our little creeks and, and, and waterways, the canals, that, yeah, early morning tends to be best when it's quiet and things are just starting to happen. And those fish, they feed as soon as there's any kind of light whatsoever. Salt water, that does happen, but you have to factor in the tide. If it's a dead low tide, they're probably not going to be terribly active even in the morning. Uh, no wind and a dead low is even worse. But a little bit of a breeze in the morning coming in a certain direction, that will definitely enhance it. So I like to look, I like to tell people is look around. You know, take note of what's going on and look around you and see if you can sort things out in that manner. Fishing magic. Here's a tip. Wind direction on the area that you want to fish. For example, the wind needs to be blowing. If you're fishing a mangrove line, the wind needs to be blowing onto the mangrove. I'm not talking howling here. I'm not talking 20 to 25 miles an hour. I'm talking a breeze, five, six, seven, eight miles an hour, that real comfortable little breeze you get in the morning. Um, it needs to be blowing on the target location. Okay? 
It's, it's really simple. Wind at your back. I mean, it's, it's, it makes casting easier. <laughs> so if you want to go that way, it's easier than throwing the thing into the wind. So um, keep a mind, keep that in mind. Uh, and this is true for almost any West Coast Florida impoundment, whether it's a bay, uh, a sound, uh, a river, a inlet, outlet, anything. Just try to get the wind on your back. Second thing, get the tide on your back. <laughs> this is where it gets tough. So say, for example, you have an inbound tide and the water's flowing in. You're at an island or a mangrove island area, which the, the edge you want to fish is actually facing the inlet where the water's coming from. And the wind is blowing on this at, at the same side, which over here on this coast doesn't play as hard as it does on the West Coast. On the West Coast, that would be, a, that'd be water coming out of the Gulf of Mexico, which is coming from what? West. And then you have a wind, which is generally going to be west to southwest, something in that nature. That is the perfect fishing. So, so back to my talking about my notion. I'm fishing, and I'm not catching anything. And I look around, and I've noticed over the last half hour or so, the wind changed on me. It switched a little, not a lot, which happens in Florida quite often. Just the heat of the day sometimes can move the wind on you. As the land warms up, starts to draw air off the Gulf. So all of a sudden, that wind that was basically south to southeast will start to swing west. And that's because the land's heating up. It's drawing cool air off of the Gulf of Mexico. That little switch, if that's something in my head that I notice and I go, okay, I got a notion now. I see what's going on. I know why the fish aren't biting like crazy right here because the wind is not blowing on my mangrove like it was. My tide's still good. But my wind's not any good. So I immediately go back into the savings account <laughs> of those fishing spots, of which there are literally hundreds. There's probably, I probably have a thousand fishing spots. I go back into that little savings account and I do a quick mental search. You know, I, I do, I Google my brain and I go, man, the last time this happened, this worked at this location. That's my notion. Off we go. And you know what? 90% of the time, I'm going to stick my neck away out. 90% of the time, it works. That's exactly what happens. This, does, this doesn't get into even understanding fish or the species of fish or what they eat and why they eat. This is more about the broad science of where are they going to be to feed. Our game fish on the West Coast are lazy. They're lazy over here too. Uh, we have an abundance of of marauders, ambush feeders, I believe is what most of the books call them, ambush feeders. That means that they, they're active but not active. Does that make sense? They swim along slowly. It's like redfish, for example. Redfish will prowl. They kind of cruise around the flats around mangrove islands, or they'll cruise out on the open flats if you're lucky enough to see them. depends on the water clarity. But they'll move very slowly, and then suddenly, pow, they just attack. A snook is a prime example of an ambush feeder. He likes to sit in the mangroves. He likes to sit in a fashion where the water current is coming into his face. He doesn't want water over his back. He wants to sit, he, she, wants to sit and have that water coming in their face and watching for little fish that are caught in that current and pow, it's an instant attack. And then guess what? The snook goes right back into the position of where they were. That's ambush feeding. Trout do it. Sea trout love to ambush fish. They sit on the bottom, sandy bottom. 
little bit of grass nearby. Uh, we call them sandy potholes on the West Coast. If you go out on a flat, you'll see all this grass. You'll see these big white spots in the middle of the grass. That's where they like to sit because of their coloring. Uh, trout are a little white on the bottom. They got speckly sides that are kind of greenish and brown and golden color, and then they have a black back. And when they tuck themselves against grass on a sand hole, they're almost invisible. And they ambush feed there. Little guy, little little pinfish, little white bait, something, little crab, something swims over their head. Up they come, gone, just like that. That's that's you with your bait, by the way, <laughs> and your artificial. So all of these fish that we that we tend to really like to go after, that's the, that's the way they feed. They're not just sort of swimming around. We have we have the ones that are swimming. Don't get me wrong, and they'll be in different areas. So for ambush fishing. Game fish in particular, snook, red, sea trout, you're definitely looking for edges. You're looking for places where the water is moving in a certain direction and the wind is moving in a certain direction. And why is that? It holds the bait there. Bait's tiny. Heck, some of what we call, we lovingly call rain bait. It's little teeny tiny bait that lives uh, out on the flats in schools of a thousand little fish, which won't make a puddle any bigger than, oh, I don't know, eight, nine, ten feet around. And it slowly moves with current, generally not with wind, but generally in the current, it'll just sort of move. Uh, but it looks like raindrops on the water. That's what Mr. Sea Trout's ambushing. If it gets close to the mangrove, that's exactly what Mr. Snook and Mr. Redfish are, are, are attacking. So knowing these things about this general overall scientific movement of wind and current, water depth, uh, and things like that really, really help. Uh, understand where, where the notion comes from that you need to be at blah blah spot first thing in the morning. Long story short, don't plan. <laughs> don't don't plan ahead. It's not worth the trouble. You well, I shouldn't say that. It is worth the trouble. Get the basics. You know what the tide's going to be, and you know what the general weather report's going to be, and that's it. The rest of it is all subject to change. And when it comes to fishing, that subject to change causes huge problems if you have plotted a whole day of blah, blah, and that just doesn't happen. It doesn't work out. Now you've boxed yourself in. You don't, don't want to do that. We're getting ready to transition now into um, summertime. You know, spring is sprung. We're almost to April. What is today? I'm recording this on the 24th of March. We're, we're almost to April. By the time you listen to this, we'll be even closer. Uh, May is, oh, I love May. <laughs> I love fishing in May and June. <laughs> and then it gets really good again in October. Uh, summertime can be tough, but all that's based on one basic thing, folks. No, it's two things really, but one really basic thing, water temperature. Our fish are tropical. They feed in warm water because they like warm water. They're Floridians. Okay. Let's just, they're like us. I like warm weather. I do not like cold weather. Um, they, they are exactly the same way. Um, so you've got that, you've got the temperature thing, which is, which is of, of major importance. The second thing you have not quite as much is length of day. Um, you have extremely long days in the summertime. Sun comes up early, sun, sun goes down late. Um, midday can be really, really tough for fishing. Now this is not, I, I used to hear this thing, oh, oh, they don't like the sunlight in their eyes. That's bull. That's, that's just, I mean, I've heard bass people say that. Maybe that's true. I'm not a hardcore bass fisherman, but I know one thing, saltwater fish could care less about whether it's uh, bright all day long or not. What they care most about is temperature of the water and then the ability to find the bait wherever that bait may be. And that's, ex and that's your job. That's how you find the fish is to find 
their comfort spot. Snook, snook like it warm. Uh, they'll be in water up to 86, 88 degrees, but keep in mind, the warmer the water gets, the less oxygen it'll hold. Ah, more science. See, I told you. So you've got, you've got this water temperature rising, especially during the day in the hot sun, July, August sun in Florida is brutal. And that water warms up really fast, especially if it's skinny. So what do you do? You get out of the skinny water <laughs> or you go into an area that's got really, really good current that'll help stir the surface. So that's how oxygen works. The water holds oxygen as the water turns over, uh, like in a breeze or even in a, in a wind. Um, it helps stir oxygen into the water. So it, you have to keep that in mind. If it's a real still day and it's very, very hot, your chances of catching fish in less than two feet of water gets more and more difficult as the day progresses. So keep that in mind. As that water warms up and you're fishing a hot summer day, you really need to start moving toward deeper water. And that's true for all of them. For redfish, snook, or trout, doesn't matter the big three, they're going to be in that kind of water. So that temperature's, that temperature's critical. Winter temperature, I get asked this a lot. So when shouldn't you fish? Water temperatures in the low 60s are very, very tough. I'm not going to kid you because I had to do it. I mean, as a guide, you, you fish pretty much every day, and guess what? Your, your high time is winter in Florida because everybody wants to be here because it's not snowing. Um, when the water gets down to 59 degrees, which it'll do, you get a real serious cold front that lasts for several days. That water will turn over quickly in the shallow water bays and drop right down into the low 60s and high 50s. It's just going to shut the fishing off. I'm, I'm not going to kid you. It just will. You might get a ladyfish. You might find some sea trout that are hungry if you do everything very, very slowly. Um, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. Growing up in Florida... We didn't fish in the winter. <laughs> Only guides do that. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, uh, growing up in Florida, and of course I was north. I was in the Tampa Bay area, Clearwater. Um, we had winter, and wintertime was fix the boat, fix the tackle, uh, play inside uh, as kids, uh, watch television, sci-fi show on Saturday morning, that kind of stuff. We, we didn't worry too much about it. And then all of a sudden March comes along and you start getting that those beautiful sunny days and the, and the nights are 59 or 60, but the daytime temperature makes it to 71. That's when the clock starts. And the further south you are, the quicker that starts. The east coast of Florida, where I live now, you do fish year-round. The winter doesn't make any difference here because our winter temperatures here are still lows in the 60s, highs in the 70s, pretty much through January and February. The only thing that gets us is a big cold front from up north so that water temperature question that i get asked a lot varies quite a lot because florida is a very very long state but reality is most of our game fish are floridians most of our game fish are tropicals they like warmer water and so does our bait so the bait and stuff moves around better in the warmer water too so your absolute best fishing is going to be starting in the spring all the way into late fall so october is the cutoff for most areas in Florida when things are start, going to start to get kind of tough. Here's a bit of wisdom. Artificials, flies, things like that are great in the spring, summer, and fall. It's a lot of fun to fish artificials. I love fishing them. I like soft plastics. I like hard jig baits. I like things that uh, castable topwaters in the summer. Oh my gosh, I love throwing topwaters in the summer. Um, winter, I, I hate to break it to you, dead bait. Cut bait, shrimp, pieces of shrimp, small pieces of shrimp on a jig on the bottom, barely moved, stuff like that. It's a whole different 
wisdom. It's a whole different mentality. You have to say, these fish are just not going to do this today. I'm going to have to dead bait the bottom. Now, those of us that like to artificial fish and certainly those that like to fly fish, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. You can fish a fly on bottom slowly with a sinking line, but the odds of a fish picking that up get extremely low when the water temperature's down. So that, that's your dilemma with winter fishing. If you're not a guide, uh, fix your tackle, <laughs> take care of your boat, and find other things to do inside. Uh, winters, by the way, wintertime in Florida is pretty cool. I, I, you know, I need to tell you this. I mean, it's, this is called Catch Outdoors, which is all about living outside. In the wintertime is when we have all of our festivals. In the wintertime is when we do stuff outside. It's when we go to the parks. It's when we go bike riding. It's when we go hiking. Um, the bugs are down. <laughs> Not as many mosquitoes back in the back. So don't think that you're just turning your whole life off. What becomes difficult is fishing. The one thing that most of us absolutely love to do. And so you just you have to look at other things to do uh, starting right before Christmas. And then you roll into January, February. It's going to be kind of tough. But there's plenty of outdoor things. The, the thing I like is there's outdoor festivals. I mean, every single art show and uh, festival type shows, they, they all happen here in the wintertime. Our, our seasons are backwards. We don't do that in the dead of summer. We have boat shows in the, in the fall, uh, winter, and spring. We don't do them in the dead of summer like they do that up north. So there's plenty of things to do. But fishing might not be, not by, be one of them. How to find that perfect fishing spot, the secret spot. I've written about this a number of times. I've done articles for magazines, it's in my book, <laughs> The Secret Spot, as they love to call it. There's a really great book out published years ago called The Secret Spot, if you can find it. I'm sorry, at the top of my head, I can't remember the author's name, but it is called The Secret Spot, and it's all about fishing the west coast of Florida. Uh, time on the water, that's what does it. I, I, your friend can say, and this has happened many, many times, your buddy goes, you should go here, this place is awesome. I went there the other day, and we caught fish after fish after fish. So you go, okay. So you plot, and you plan, and you go. And, of course, you're not on anywhere near the same day because everything I just explained to you is wrong. The wind is different. The water temperature is different. The wind is blowing from a different direction. Uh, the tides are backwards, whatever it may be, and you don't catch a single fish at that spot. Now you hate your friend. <laughs> you're like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, oh, I don't understand. It was crazy. That's time on water. That's what pays off and fixes that little problem. Your friends can give you all kinds of wonderful spots. They can also say, when you go right here, you're always going to catch a redfish on this corner. No, you're not. You might. And especially if things are really, really similar to the last time that that friend caught a redfish on that corner or a snook or a trout. But chances are something is a little bit different and it doesn't take much to move fish to a spot. Here's the good news, close by. So here's your, here's your plot. If your friend sends you out and you're fishing in an area and he has sworn that this has paid off for him more than once, maybe more than five times, and you show up and you're not catching a thing, search nearby. Okay, this is your little piece of wisdom. The fish don't generally move very far for food. Uh, a lot of our fish are very territorial. Heck, I've got this one snook. I bet I've caught him five or six times in this one, which probably is she by now. That's I'd have to explain that males turn female over time, just so you're like, what is he talking about? But I, I'm it's the same fish. I mean, I know it. It's got a mark on its side, and it, and it's it's a telltale mark that I've seen every time I've caught this thing. And I'm not going to tell you where, but it's on the west coast of Florida, and 
this this fish will not go very far from that area ever. And every time I've caught it, it's been within five football fields, 500 yards or so of the of the general first area that I caught the fish. So when you go to a spot that your friends swearing up and down is going to be the spot of the day, of the week, <laughs> wisdom, move a little bit away, then a little bit further, but try to duplicate where your friend has sent you. So if you're looking at a mangrove shoreline, you got a certain overhang going on, he says, oh, it's a deadwood. It's right there, that deadwood right there. There's deadwood. There's something. Try to mimic that in a nearby location. Simply travel a little bit further and then try to adjust to get the wind just right and to get the current just right. And I can almost guarantee you whatever was there has moved to that new location. Hopefully you'll take that to heart. Importantly of all, go fishing. Fish as much as possible. Spend more time on the water than you thought you would. Uh, even if it's even if it's alone time, if it's walking a beach by yourself, if it's fishing a small creek that you like to fish, if it's canoeing, kayaking, boating with friends, whatever it may be, spend as much time as you can outside. Spend as much time as you can on the water. It frees the brain. It makes you feel better. Fresh air is good for you. Uh, so and and definitely we all know sunshine's good for you too. So get yourselves outside and enjoy yourselves as much as you can. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend and share it on social media. Catch you Outdoors hosted by Anchor, available via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Our Facebook page is Catch Outdoors. Website sketchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy.